Here we are, the best, unable to translate this part. On the dance floor, they call us the killers. You make anyone fall in love with you when you dance at the drums beat. This goes to, for the female, cats of all colors. For the grown ones and the young ones, for the ones who are more foxes than hunters. For the women who doesn't turn off their engines. You and me have something pending. You owe me something to me and you know it. With me she gets lost. She doesn't render account to anyone. Same as last four verses. Da mimas gasolina. <laughs> da mimas gasolina. Da mimas Gasolina. She likes the gasolina. Give give me more gasoline. How she likes the gasoline. What's up all you leftover candy corns and you weird marshmallow peanuts? Ugh! It's the Weird Vibes Podcast. We're back. Ugh. Uh. It's week three of Halloween. How are you fucking doing? How, how the fuck are you? I wasn't saying that to you, Dan. I was being aggressive towards the listeners. How I, are you, though, for real? I'm fantastic. Really um, proud to be a wife as you read. I thought you said Macarena, but I'm pretty sure that was Gasolina. That, no, oh my god. <laughs> to all my um, one language speaking people out there... The Macarena and Gasolina are two of the coolest songs you've ever heard. And if you've never um, translated them to English, please do it. It's fun. <laughs> Give happiness to your body, Macarena. Because your body is for giving happiness and nice things, too. Macarena? I just found out Macarena's a person today. I didn't know that. You, I was, you taught me that. I didn't know that. Give happiness to your body, Macarena. Hey! Macarena. So this is week three of Halloween. <laughs> Despite whatever Sam might be trying to drive us into. Macarena has a boyfriend who's called. We are going to be talking about the movies that we watched for week three. Um, who's called the last name Vittorino. We're going to start with high tension as soon as Sam gets us out of his system. Sorry, we broke our brains this week. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> um, this might turn into a little bit of a like mental health podcast and like a taking care of yourself podcast. We realized that um, just up until week three, how many did I tell you a second ago? remember i think you said 37 i think we've watched 37 horror movies or like halloween related things <laughs> so far and it's, i think it's the 22nd of october right now right yeah so um that's a lot yeah that's a whole lot i would like to say that sam has watched some of these without me and some of these are like we watched most of them or have seen them enough time. Well, no, we watched, we've watched all of them. All yeah. of them we've watched again. Well, I think High Tension um, yeah, I is could... the perfect example of this. 
as I get older, this becomes more and more the case. You know, like, I, this, my friends getting old, like, the people I talk to, like, this is, I think, is the case with a lot of my married friends. A lot of, like, oh, this, as we're getting older, we discuss this, you know, like, with our friends in the horror community. Uh, not every movie makes you feel like um, Halloween-y for a Halloweener. Um, it, do, it doesn't, you, not every movie makes you feel like you're in the Halloween spirit. Some of them just stress you out. I fucking love High Tension. It is in my top five horror movies of all time. I think it's magnificent. I think it really changed the game as far as storytelling, as far as like real life in horror movies. Just I, I have nothing but good things to say about that movie. But it just sort of bummed me out after I'd watched about 30 horror movies already this month. And I was trying to feel spooky, and it didn't make me feel spooky. It just made me feel depressed. Hot take. High tension is way more appropriate for Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) I love you so much. And speaking of Thanksgiving, (laughs) we'll get to Adam's family values in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Um... No, I agree with you. I do I do think we might have... I don't think we overdid it. I know sometimes on weekends we really like our early morning movies and it's really mm-hmm. easy for us to like... You know, we have... Um, we have like a... We, we don't have kids, but we have four animals. And we have like a, a functioning household that seems to need to run without us even if we're not here. So there's a lot to catch up on and it's really easy to have movies on in the background. So even though we've burned through them and kind of like... You know, we're familiar with a lot of this material. Um, one of the things I've noticed is that it doesn't really matter how many times you consume it. Experiencing it again for your brain is, it might not be as significant as a new experience, but it definitely still affects you. And yeah. it, like, it definitely still puts you in one mood or another. Um, especially because the one that you talked about is going, we're, if we're going on from the list, we're looking from high tension to Adam's family values, which is like, Kind of our extremes of horror. I oh, definitely. Like. And it's two of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. Yeah. Especially Adam's Family Values. Like, I don't want to move on officially yet. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd love to talk more about High Tension. Yeah, but, but are we spoiling High Tension or no? no that's one no, I, I don't, don't... That's one I don't want to spoil. I don't think you should spoil it. Um, Watching it this time as... <laughs> the last time I watched it with you, I'm not going to lie, I knew there was a weird spoiler, but I hadn't seen it in about five years. So I didn't I didn't remember the big reveal. And I think, again, like, it's just really representative of that, like, French New Wave horror movement that, like, I really related to. I Probably just the age I'm at. Or, like, the age I am, I guess. Like, when all those movies came out. But, like, oh, like, this, Martyrs, Frontiers. I mean, like, to a certain extent, even, like, irreversible. Like, just weird movies like that. Like, they're kind of try-hard and, like, edgelordy, but I really relate to them. And I, I like them a lot, to be honest So I with think you. that you kind of answered that question. I forgot that I actually had questions for you for each movie. Oh, right on. So now that we're still on high tension, I think you kind of answered my first, which was what drew you to this. And I think it was kind of like your, you know, your... You already had, like, a an affection for this type of movie you were talking Mm -hmm. about french film um what kind of horror fan would you recommend this film to honestly i could somebody who's into horror you know or even into um um like high like drama movies and stuff you know like because i mean it's not necessarily it's not supernatural it's not a horror movie as far as like 
it's not a like oh haunted mansion at disneyland type of horror movie it's a very like grounded like based in real life serial killer movie you know so yeah it's just kind of one of those things that really it's more about the human psyche and it's not for everybody but i mean if you're down with i mean it's very real life gore real yeah. life situations real trauma yeah that one is so intense it's a very unique film as far as horror movies go i remember the first the first time i watched it was with you maybe last year or the year before that mm-hmm. and that one was very um i you know at the end after i saw like the you know the interesting plot twist at the end i was very i was like even way more into it because up until then it was just stressful like it, it's yeah it's, it really is it's not a pleasant movie no, to watch in like, any sense it's I didn't know that this was a French film, and honestly, like, it's called High Tension, and this is not supposed to be a title of a film. This is a fucking warning, because literally the entire movie, the whole time, is just you in that feeling of suspense, you know, almost like, okay, yeah, it's edge of your seat when you're watching a movie that's, like, really captivating, but when it's a horror movie, edge of your seat just basically means you're fucking terrified the whole time. I, yeah. Yeah. So and it like was very stressful, but it is also very. It's a very rewarding horror movie. I think so. I I think it's very rewarding. It mm-hmm. really changed my perspective on horror. I I'd always loved the schlocky, kind of like exploitation style horror. Just the weird shit from the '90s that you could really get into. You know, all the trauma style stuff. Like this was just a different animal. You know, it was something so different than I'd ever seen. That's how I felt the first time you showed it to me. So my last question is, um, how did you discover this film? Oh, this is fun. Um, I was actually <laughs> about to bring this up. Our friend um, Kelly, our mit- mutual friend Kelly. Oh, that's who actually introduced us. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and again, it's that whole French new wave of horror. Anytime any of those movies would come out, I think that's why even movies like Irreversible and like Antichrist, just all these weird movies that were coming out during. The like mid two thousands, yeah, honestly. and we all like we would all go over to my house and get yeah. like super baked and like open a few beers and like watch these super just fucked up movies. Yeah, but it was something to talk about. It was something I had never experienced. I grew up really sheltered, you know. Like you'd guess, always said that um, Kelly was like your horror friend. For yeah, sure. yeah. she. So really, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I know that that's something you guys have always bonded over, and you both have like such a vocabulary for it and honestly as soon as you said french film i should have known it was from kelly (laughs) as a gift she gave me horror as art instead of schlock and horror was my first love love because it's schlock you know thank you and like i should tell her that next time i see her i'm gonna tell her to listen to this episode so that she hears you say that because i love that (laughs) it, it really is there's something to be said in a lot of these movies they're so ugly like High Tension is the ugliest fucking movie ever. Absolutely. But it has a lot to say. It has so much to say. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Alright, so we've spent enough time on movies that caused us, like, both mental stress this week. Let's, like, whiplash turn this around with some... I don't know how to do a drum roll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oops. That. Adam's Family Values. Uh-oh, that's the fucking ta-dum, heater ta-dum, of the week, I think. Ta-dum. I don't know. This. No, don't it's know. so good! There is nothing that has Adam's family attached to it that I will not forever tout the merits of. 
So, do you like this one or the first one better? Like, in... Because it... I don't... There's no right answer to this. They're both fucking perfect. We've covered the first one already. So, I'm going to just start by saying that I think it's a little bit bummy that they both have to do with Fester kind of just, like, getting... Scammed or manipulated or exploited in some way because, like, come on, Fester! Like, Fester, get it the fuck together. Honestly, like, as a sequel, damn. But also, I would say that between the two, just because of how much she brings to the screen, I absolutely fucking love. Are you talking about Jay Cusack? Because of Jay Cusack. Oh my god, Joan Cusack kills it. She is so fucking brilliant in this movie. I love Joan Cusack and this might be one of my favorite roles of hers, which is such a funny, I don't know. Young Sam Scott felt some ways about her. How could you not? Oh my god. It's weird, like, I didn't, I was much older when I realized that Joan Cusack wasn't a traditional, like, sex pot you were supposed to have a huge thing for. Oh my god. She already is, in general, but I couldn't help. It's like, in that movie especially, like, she just did such a brilliant job of being that, like, especially with, like, all of her, like, head-to-toe white outfits. Like, are you for real, like, not going to be interpreted as some, like, Marilyn Monroe-esque, like... (laughs) <laughs> beautiful vixen. I don't know. She did a great job of that. <clears throat> Macarena, Macarena, Macarena. You're popular. The summer's in Marbella. Macarena, Macarena, Macarena. You're like the gorilla excesses. Eh? But I would say that out of the two movies, because of how much it told about... The Adams Family, that the first one is the one that I prefer. What about you? Oh, man, I'm Adams Family Values all the way. That's so weird. Like, I'm... Why Why are you Adams Family Values I am values married to you. I... That is so strange. Like, I thought I had you pegged. I had this whole discussion laid oh, out. Oh, no! Did I, I mean, no, that? you didn't ruin it at all. I'm oh, just, no. Oh, man. Now I've, like... But then at the same you really, time, what? at the same time, this always happens to me, and I think maybe the people around me know me better than I know myself, and I happen to follow my impulses of like, oh well, yeah, this is like this definitely makes sense right now. Like, remember everybody at my baby at my bridal shower being super mad that purple wasn't my favorite color because of course it's orange. It. And then I said, I was like, it's orange. And every, you know, but nobody else. Everybody's like, it's purple, Dana, and everybody thought they knew because I wore a lot of purple. That doesn't mean that it's my favorite color. Anyway, back to Joan Cusack. She would be my favorite factor in this, and she honestly is a very heavyweight champ factor in these two movies for mm-hmm. me. But honestly, I am much more, as far as like being a writer goes, I think for me, because it's harder for me to get into um, very thorough world building, that I much more admire that it's like such a complex family that you get to learn about through that ball and everything with the first one. Yeah, right? you're honestly, I never thought about that. You're yeah. super family oriented. Yeah. And the it's much more So, do you do you like that one from the late 90s? I can't remember what it's called where it's where they have the family, the family reunion. reunion. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I always, honestly, Sam, I'm not going to lie. Whenever you put on family values and it's not the family reunion episode. Where Cousin Ed is playing ping pong. Yeah. (laughs) It honestly, like, always surprises me because I'm like, oh, yeah, this is. Because, okay, so in my head, when we don't watch them for a long time, I always think of the original as the Joan Cusack one, and then the actual original, the one where they're just, like, scamming him as, like, a family member. That one I always think of as the cartoon series and the series itself on TV, because that is what it was, because I'm pretty sure it was that. I'm with you. I definitely always mistake values as the first movie. I, I don't follow you on the rest of it, necessarily. I, mean, I, I understand. Do you it, remember but... the other? Oh, I think I don't know if it was the live action, not the live action series, the original one. But I, I don't know if there was one later. If I'm making that up, but I do know there was one where it was like it was basically maybe it's just my memory doing that because it looked like the couple in the first one, and I think it was their neighbors, and they were just constantly trying to scam them out of like the house and out of living in the neighborhood. I and... think that's the cartoon. Is that the one where I think they lived? The where they yeah. lived it like. Their whole mansion was inside of that RV, and no, they could like go. That. They went all over the. I don't okay, know about yeah, that. never, that never mind, never mind. Super cool though. There's a lot of Adam's Oh, family we need to do a whole ass episode on Science Court from Saturday Morning Cartoons because I love that shit, and you just reminded me of it. Oh, I love Science Court. That was a really good one. No, but okay. like you really did. You didn't like the like the. I mean, not that you didn't like, but I mean, some of my favorite parts, I guess, um, because I'm just shoehorning myself in there. No, please. Um, no, I, like, the whole summer camp scene, like, okay, I love, the whole I summer camp I absolutely love that. Here's the thing. I don't know, I think even if our era of, like, um, coming of age wasn't filled with financial disaster and instability and global war, I still think millennials would have been this, like, woke identity politics generation because we all fucking knew all of this was wrong we all knew that it was wrong to talk to people the way that we were talking to people we all felt that it was there was a reason that it was coming up in our media constantly and i will leave that to the people obviously that were older than us at the time that were placing that in our media but the fact that her character at summer camp is Wednesday, so... You're when, about. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Wednesday's character... Is it already... Is it Nicole Richie at that point? Not Nicole Richie. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Christina Ricci. Um, Can you imagine with Nicole Ricci? That's hot. You're fucking dead. <laughs> so, this is spooky. This is spooky. <laughs> so, already, Christina Ricci's character Wednesday is already woke as fuck as like a little girl, right? And the this was something this was <laughs> sorry. Yeah, out of here. So I, think, I love the good it was the good life. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt what are you, talking you. About? The simple life. Oh my god, it was so good. Do you remember when they snuck out and went to go meet those boys at that tavern? Oh I totally and remember. And those boys were just like <laughs> <laughs> they were like, <laughs> I totally re- okay. We're like we're like dating ourselves like a motherfucker right here. Hey, but we're on the late end of millennial. Fuck you. In the early two thousands, when Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton were still relevant, and like people didn't like see them for like the creepers and like just weird melty people they were. Don't say that. Their mother is now, or at least one of them. But okay, yeah. So 
there was this show where they went and stayed with like these decent farm and people so and nice. purposefully corrupted them and like didn't they make out with both their sons? Or I don't know if they yeah, were. I don't okay. know if they were both brothers. It was like that Polly Shore movie, Son in Law, except there was no redemption <laughs> whatsoever, and they just made everybody's life worse. And also, Polly Shore didn't corrupt that girl. He just made her kind of different, and then she happened to not marry the dude that was kind of a fucking creep from her hometown anyway. What do you mean, kind of a creep? He's. Listen. Honestly, this is a different episode. Yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> I'm just, so sorry. Let's just get back on track. We're talking about Adam's family values. The last question I'm going to ask you about that. Oh, no. I have two questions. I still haven't asked you. What kind of horror fan... Okay, honestly, though, would you recommend this to a horror fan? Would you recommend this to literally fucking everybody? I was going to say... I was thinking about it. I'm like, how am I going to answer this? And I say literally fucking anybody. I didn't literally mean to anybody. You. you did. I mean, like, who doesn't like Adam's family? If you don't like Adam's family... What I, what I like about Adam's family is even if you don't like creepy, it's funny. Um, uh, other elements of it that are really important to me are that Morticia and Gomez have a healthy, uh, consensual relationship that is full of passion I and loyalty. So and that like no matter how weird they are, there are so many concepts of true love in their relationship that honestly, even other sitcoms and other things that I grew up in in that same era would make fun of because, like, that was the shtick, right? It was, like, yeah. funny to have the, like, dopey dad looking at the, like, hot, like, 20-year-old on the beach when the family went on vacation, right? Like, that was funny. But Gomez Adams, honestly, I know that this might just be... making love to his wife This arms. might be, like, planted in my head just because I know Sam, like, also looks up to Gomez Adams, but straight up... I remember seeing Gomez Adams on TV when I was a little kid and seeing how he fucking worshipped Morticia and yeah. she was weird as hell and she was chopping the heads off roses and she was doing whatever the hell she wanted. They're gonna die anyway. Scooting around in her little tiny fucking her fucking dress that literally didn't let her waddle at all because her feet were like stuck together. She literally couldn't walk she in could the original series. She could not walk series. in the original series of that which is very admirable and so like a woman to just sacrifice literally your mobility for art. That mm -hmm. makes perfect sense. So she um, honestly just represented a lot for me in the sense that like you could, this is going to sound, I don't know if this sounds abstract, but, and I maybe I only know this in hindsight because I have a partner who definitely already supports this, but like, or it already perpetuates that in our relationship. But Morticia Adams taught me that you could demand as much as you wanted of your partner in the sense that you deserved to demand what you wanted from your partner. Of course. So I think that was a really beautiful part of their relationship is that like, yeah, they were a couple of fucking weirdos and she had a weird ass greenhouse and she was kind of weirdly lit in a way that I loved. It always looked like there was a candle right under her and her face was always glowing. Oh, it's the femme fatale to where they're, I loved it's, it. they're, they're I lighting loved her. It. They're lighting her through blinds in an office window. So there's always that. <gasps> So it's very, like, noir. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. So I absolutely, she was always, and it's this is um, um, Angelica Houston era, uh, Morticia Gomez. Which is another Morticia Gomez, Morticia Adams. <laughs> Which is another person who I didn't know wasn't, like, this traditional bombshell as a young Sam Scott. Yeah. In my head, it was like, oh, was. it's Morticia Adams. Oh, my God. That was, like, 
Morticia Adams, I mean, not to get too personal, it's like some of my first sexual feelings as a human being were for Morticia Adams. No, I totally understand. But I mean, also, like you're saying, some of my first inclinations of what it meant to be a man outside of like, oh, my own dad and my own family was Gomez Adams loves his wife. Gomez Adams is a man and defines masculinity even like in a way different way than a lot of people. And as a weird kid, like, there's just something so endearing about him. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, what is is it that we've been saying recently? Was it um, Herman Munster in the streets, Gomez Adams in the sheets? Yes. And I think there's there's just, like, a lot of grounds for that, too. Because, like, you don't even need to speak for who Gomez Adams is in the streets. Because he always puts his family and his love first. Like, his family and Morticia... There's nothing that comes before that. I would honestly say probably like Morticia before anything else. So there's something in that that I think in that era, even if it was just like some weird cartoon or some weird movie that you were watching about this like morbid family that was just like oh so different from everything else you were encountering. At the end of the day, they still taught you that like what mattered was that they loved each other. Like one of my uh-huh. favorite things about the Adams family is that it's actually wholesome as fuck. If you watch it and, like, just ignore the weirdness, it's... Because the thing is, is, like, I grew up in a very traditional family, so, like, it did matter that it was trying to be creepy. And, like, I'm sure that as somebody who grew up in, like, an evangelical background, you can relate to the idea that them even trying to be creepy relates to, like, some satanic shit or some, like, devil... Just There just has to be some other element because, like, oh, they wore black and, like, looked a certain way and, and, like, rejected certain, like, ideals of, like, what should make you feel a certain way right but at the end of the day i think kids our age especially kids who needed something that like reached out to them like that could definitely see that it was this really alternative beautiful take on being just as compassionate just as loyal to your family just as just as good to your friends while also being like a fucking weirdo yeah well, get in where you fit in like, totally get in where you fit in exactly because Oh, Gomez, you were such a lady killer as a young man. <laughs> Acquitted! Acquitted! Sorry, I you... had to get that in there. <laughs> I don't know if I... Did I ask you already um, how you discovered this film? I mean... Uh, that's like asking how I learned to breathe, honestly. <laughs> like, like I, I have... I don't know if I ever own this movie, mm-hmm. but I have, like, really, really vivid memories of renting it multiple times i wish i could remember the name of our local video store when i was a kid it was so fun they had this super cool candy machine that had those huge like remember those like giant size sweethearts that came <gasps> yeah yeah it was like are they you had talking those. about chub chups no oh sweet they were like official they were like actual sweethearts mm-hmm. and i remember like because i was really really scared of child's play when i was a kid and Same. this place really scared me because they had a child's play 2 poster oh. like near the children's section oh, no. and i was it got me it had me fucked up like <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> okay I'm going to just coast right on through into our next one. Do you want to go down this list, or do you want me to go just random? I don't care. Like Three from Hell. Tell me what drew you to Three from Hell. Oh, okay. First of all, tell us what Three from Hell is. 
Three from Hell is Rob Zombie's new movie. Um, a lot of us were really excited for it. <laughs> it is the um, third installment of the I don't I don't even know what they're called the Firefly saga. I guess it's um, the third installment of um, House of a Thousand Corpses. Then The Devil's Rejects, then Three from Hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good. I liked it. Like, I, I almost want to do a whole episode on this, mm-hmm. but I don't want to shit on it either. Do you I know what I mean? But you're like, allowed to have your criticisms. I just feel like you always feel conflicted about the fact that you really love Rob Zombie as a director, but that you have critiques of his films, which you're allowed to have. What? I, it's not even having a critique. It's just wanting the right ending, mm-hmm. you know? And it, this sounds so strange to say in retrospect with people shitting on it so much. I almost think 31 was more in the vein of, like, <laughs> a real ending for that movie, even without the Firefly clan. Okay. Like, it... Honestly, it cheapens oh. straight up. It cheapens how powerful the end of the Devil's Rejects was, and like for a long as a young man, I mean, like I've kind of evolved since then. I'm not gonna say it's not one of my favorite movies, but I mean, I, I I've grown a little bit, but I mean, there's always a special place in my heart for like that scene at the end with Freebird with them just driving straight at the police barricade and just getting shot to shit, you know, like... Yeah. And they're clearly dead. That's the thing is, okay. they're clearly all dead. No, Sam. As we learned, they're all in critical condition. <sighs> Do you think that that also contributes to a little bit of that, like, um, superhuman Freddy... Kruger, Jason yes. idea. Yes. That yes. they're like, because of like horror icons, they kind of don't need to die. So, and I, I didn't mean to like no, 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 step on you. I just no, meant no, no, like, no. oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think the intent was to give them even a more larger than life status. Okay. That makes sense. But then to, it's so weird to break it down this much. Once if you had just made House of a Thousand Corpses, maybe Three from Hell would have made sense. But you kind of humanize the world in Devil's Rejects. Like, yeah. once you yeah, made yeah, Devil's yeah. Rejects, and like, and maybe it sucks that maybe you accidentally made something so elevated that everything you make is going to be compared to that. And you're, and like, there's a lot of people who don't think that's a good movie. That's, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's but, up to them. <laughs> like, I, it's one of my favorite horror movies, and I just think, I'm not sure it's the same. You know? It, it's hard to, and I don't want to shit so on it. So you just don't want it in the canon? No, I don't not want it if in it the canon. If it were your choice. I'm not saying, oh, your critique of it. I'm saying if it were your choice, would this be in this canon? Okay, this is... Are you asking me if it's in the can? Okay, so okay, what are what are your qualifications? Are you asking me if 
I would rather Three from Hell not exist than be in the canon of that trilogy. Mm-hmm. No. That's I all think, I'm asking. I think there are some really incredible scenes. Is there no other alternative? Was that your only option? Yeah, that was kind of my only option. Okay, but I, <laughs> don't, I don't mean that. I mean, it ex- okay, so I'm not trying to bring in other topics that we already know we might want to do other episodes about, but... Okay, for example, we recently saw Joker, right? Yeah. So Joker exists in another reality, in another universe that has a whole other fucking context, which they link to, so they're not denying that it's part of another context, right? Yeah. I still don't want to put the new Joker movie into that canon, because even if you put it into that canon, honestly, I don't think it takes away or adds to its importance as a film. It's a thought piece Because that movie is completely outside of that. Yeah. So what I would do with this movie is I would put it as a completely separate thought piece from the series, because as you said, that last scene was so perfectly conclusive and it was Mm. so beautiful and you've talked to me so many times about that scene and how much Rob Zombie like put up to like even be able to afford Freebird and like to be able to like do that's insane to buy Freebird for a movie like what the fuck are you doing that's what I'm saying so like that whole idea is like there's so much finality in that even in the grandeur of it right so there's clearly some amount of like finality for him and i'm not saying that he thought that this was going to be the last movie of it but obviously he wanted a grand finale right yeah so he had one I... i'm sorry but <laughs> the dude had one no. rob zombo the like you you had the end of a movie i know <laughs> but what i'm saying is i don't mind that this movie exists but i would want it to exist the same way that i want probably joker to exist is that like it should stand on its own it should be part of the unofficial universe that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be part of the canon does that make sense have you read red sun that um i believe it's grant morrison no that the superman comic where (gasps) yes i love red where where he's russian instead of the american and it's this super fun book and it's great, but it's obviously not part of the... It's not part of the story. It's a thought exercise. It's a thought exercise. I am That's absolutely... sort of how I feel about this. Like, I am absolutely okay with this being a thought exercise. Actually, at The Joker, we saw a preview for another film that I at first was kind of like really bothered by and found really like anti-Semitic and thought was really like... No, 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 yeah. no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so fucking cool. Do you know the name of that movie? Oh, it's it's Jojo and Rabbit, I believe. Yeah, I, but I'm not really sure. I think what it was for me was that um, I was almost offended by it, but then I realized that it was a thought exercise. <clears throat> and I feel like that leaves a lot of room for growth and whatever it is that you want to do. No, definitely. Like, I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with that. I've heard a lot about it, to be honest with you. Follow my knee-jerk reaction, and I was allowed to just kind of go with that. But uh, back to Three from Hell. Um, what drew you to this? I feel like it's because it's a sequel from something you already love. Well, it's not even a sequel. It's like the end of the trilogy, which was kind of like... I don't want to keep talking about, like, oh, how it bummed me out. Because there was some really, really great stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, what, there was somebody who was asking me about it as we were watching it. And I kept just talking about how, like, 
I feel like this is somewhat like Rob Zombie's downfall as somebody who's a huge fan of his movie making. Okay. Is that like he, when his movies aren't good, there are still like really good individual scenes. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of amazing individual scenes in Three from Hell. And you knew that was going to be there. It's just not cohesive necessarily. It it doesn't, even like I remember we were talking about like, I don't want to, like, shit talk something I clearly could not make. But again, like, if you're paying for this media, then you kind of have, I guess, somewhat of a right to critique it. you're allowed to talk about anything that you consume anyway. But, like, even just, like, I kept talking about how, like, even just the, literally, like, the Three from Hell logo just looked cheap, honestly. Like, I, I just... I don't know if they were trying to make the characters unlikable, but it just seemed like there was a lot of, like, really unchecked old white guy ego in this movie. (laughs) And, like, it just, from the hard F-words, not fuck, to the fucking war bonnet. The war bonnet was too fucking much. I didn't notice the F-bombs. There was multiple, and it just... I get that you like movies from 1976, but this isn't 1976, and you know better, and you know what Does and what know not better? to perpetuate. Does he know better? I probably... Honestly, it... No, he doesn't. Obviously, he doesn't, because he put it in a movie. He put his fucking wife in a movie with a war bonnet, just walking around as this fucking literal blonde-haired, blue-eyed, like, wh- white woman... Because just, literally her character liked it. Well, yeah, just, for, I mean, it's artistic. Like, fuck you. It's not artistic. She literally was, even her character was irreverent and stupid and didn't even, I don't know, man. There was, no, it added nothing to the movie other than being fucking insulting. Like, I don't want to be a hypocrite either. This movie's probably going to grow on me over time. I'm I mean, we own it. I'm probably going to watch it. Like, I'm never going to love it. But I mean, to be honest with you, when we're watching, like, oh, like, the trilogy. Because we love, like, House of a Thousand Corpses. We love um, The Devil's Rejects. At least, like, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watch it enough to, like, I know for a fact I'm going to put this movie on again. It just... It sucks knowing how many problems I have with it, you know? I understand that. From there, um, would you tell me what kind of horror fan you would recommend this movie to? Somebody who's already a fan of Rob Zombie. Basically, this is a continuation. (laughs) And I don't want to give too much of my opinion away on Joker. Mm -hmm. Even though I... I objectively love that movie. Yeah. But I mean, I feel kind of the same way about that that I feel about, like, this movie in the sense that, like, I feel like they they tried a little hard with it, you know? Like, instead of just letting it breathe, they kind of maybe forced a little bit of the trauma that they could have let breathe in it, you know? And it kind of came off as a little bit 
edgelordy, and it, this is coming from a, like a tried and true edgelord, you know? Alright. That you would recommend it to edgelords? <sighs> I, I, I don't want to, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Man, what I'm saying, I'm just saying that it's, it's something that I like, but it's something that like, the the like darkest part of me really cringes at in a weird way. I, I don't even know how to describe it. No, I understand that. So our next movie, I feel like you will totally understand why I'm excited about this. Our next movie is 13 Ghosts. Spell it. <laughs> <laughs> T-H-I-R-T three E-N Ghosts. Don't even make no sense. That don't make no that don't make no sense. So like what what is your Matthew Lillard movie? Like when you think about Matthew Lillard, what is the movie you think of? It might honestly just have to be Thirteen Ghosts, just because he's such a crucial part of this movie. It's What's yours? SLC Punk. Like, I knew you oh were going to say that. I knew like, you were going to say that. I can that. never disassociate him from SLC Punk. Yeah, I think that that's like a really big thing. Okay, so the only reason that I didn't say that as like a knee-jerk answer is that that was not something that I watched until I was much older. Like, I didn't watch it when everybody our age watched it, so I didn't have that connection with him. But now that I've gone back and watched a lot of like random high school coming of age tale movies i realized like damn he's in a lot of those no but like i could dig that like matthew lillard's kind of groovy looking matthew lillard is groovy you can tell he like gets up to some weird shit he gets up he'll he touch your butthole you know what i mean Obviously, yeah, dude. Yeah. That's the first thing Matthew Lillard does. Yeah. Touch your butt. He sticks that ET finger in his mouth, <laughs> and he fucking just bumps your butthole like boop. You know how? Uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's I think it's Owen Wilson. Yeah, it is. It's Owen Wilson in that like weird friend, that weird movie where he's like a best friend, but he lives on that dude's couch. But the wife comes home one day, and he's like scooping butter out of her like grandmother's butter dish to do some like weird butt stuff with some girlfriend he has. I have no idea what the. Fuck oh you're my god! About. This is basically the movie equivalent of like a sitcom, right? And I don't know if it's like Jennifer Gard. I don't know, but Owen Wilson is in it, and he does some weird butt stuff, and it always reminds me of Matthew Lillard in spirit. If that makes sense. All right, back to <laughs> Matthew. But play Lillard <laughs> in 13 Ghosts. 13 Ghosts has always been one of my secret, absolute favorite movies. I feel like it's everybody's yeah. secret, absolute favorite I don't movie. know. I don't know. I don't know. That might just be a thing that we think. I don't know if that's a thing that happened. No, 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 no. Our, our friends at Forever Midnight, they've done a whole podcast about it. Everybody loves Everybody loves it. <laughs> everybody loves it. It's okay. Hey, everybody's doing it. Hey Dana, hey Dana. What's your favorite what's your favorite thirteenth ghost? Oh my god. I don't know. Um, probably the jackal. The only, jackal's pretty tight. Only because here's the thing. The first couple of times I watched this movie, Jackal absolutely terrified me to the point where like I almost had to turn the movie off. Like I was just so 
Um, anything that was like fast moving, I wasn't. <laughs> it was upsetting. It was very upsetting, right? In the early two thousands, we weren't ready for that. We weren't shit. ready for that shit. So now, me and my dad left a Ooh. screening of, of the ring. Like twenty minutes in, <laughs> when they showed that girl's fucking stretched out face, we were fucking out, dog. Quit making that. Stop it. Sorry, I have a. You lot guys of... can't see it. Oh my god! Listen, I've been recording for fucking hours. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is I love thirteenth go thirteen ghosts. Here's the problem: my memory always says thirteenth ghost. And I'm pretty sure I'm, this is one of those, like, Berenstein, Berenstein things that, like, you see online. Yeah. Berenstein. Berenstein versus Berenstein. In the sense that I am pretty sure that this, Mandela movie, effect. this movie used to be called 13th Ghost. I promise it didn't because oh my there's... God. It's also a remake of a movie from the 50s, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm a pretty big fan of both. Anyway, I guess that that's not true. Anyway, the jackal was probably my most terrifying ghost. I did also was very disturbed by the big baby and the appeasing mom. I really, that's kind of one of my favorites. Especially because whatever she's feeding him is like some gross like puke looking (laughs) shit. It's like. It's like green. Of course it's green because it's, you know, it's probably trying to be. Do you think that that's on purpose? Do you think that that is purposely trying to emulate exorcism-esque vomit? Or do you think that's completely just because it's like a spooky color? I think. Or do you think it's a spooky color because of the exorcist? Okay. I think the whole thing is supposed to be subconscious, just weird mommy shit you also like other the like morbidly obese person it's obviously something you don't want to be it's a symbol of powerlessness i see all that okay i definitely think what you're saying about the exorcist makes a lot of sense like i know we're going on a million hours of this podcast already but i'd really like to talk about this for a second a whole deep dive you can do there's a wormhole you can get into about like american perceptions of exorcisms and demons after the movie the exorcist came out i i might be wrong i think it's 1971 i, I, I don't know i'm pretty sure it's 1971 but um the entire engagement of religious and non-religious people to demons to demonology to possession it especially in america completely changed the dialogue changed about it the symptoms changed like what people perceived as being possessed by a demon changed Mm -hmm. when the exorcist came out i (laughs) I find that like really really interesting especially at halloween we're talking about just oh the things we let into our heads that we were talking about earlier in this episode how that there have been some just I don't know, some just overly serious movies we've watched, some just maybe just overloading ourselves on just the chaos and the blood and the gore, which we all love. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think sometimes, like, letting that much chaos into yourself can really affect you, you know? I absolutely agree with you. I think that it's something that everybody should take into consideration I'm glad that we're doing this for other people so that, like, in case somebody doesn't want to watch, I don't know, probably by the end of the month we might hit 50. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would um, assume 50. 
I, I'm glad that we can like be able to, I'm, I'm glad that we can do this, but I also know that a lot of these are like rewatches for us. I also think that it is very, very important that no matter what it is that you want to consume and no matter what kind of media it is that you like, that you remember that you have a human brain and that you have a human consciousness and that you need to give yourself um, you need to give yourself breaks, even if they're just yeah. literally physically eye, like eye breaks, like your, your eyes need breaks for like the things that you watch after like 20 minutes, like, please look up, go look around, go focus on things that are like different distances. If you have a pet, like watch them like play in, you know, like play far away from you in the house. Or like, if you have a kid, like watch them run away from you. Yeah. I'm like, we're, uh, just we're... kidding go catch your child <laughs> and like we're spooky too we get it like i th- maybe this is a perfect time to bring up some of the things we kind of like bleached our eyes with a little bit and like still <laughs> remain spooky um like one of my favorites i, I think this you said might have been the first time you'd seen it Mm-hmm. Was we went back to the um, old salute your shorts episode of Zeke the Plumber. <laughs> Zeke the Plumber, which is so much more serious than I remembered. Yeah, but it's so much fun. I love salute your shorts. Um, there was something about the late nineties that was very okay with be like putting very serious concepts on kids that we don't do now. Oh, this was like 92, 93. Well, did honestly. I say early 2000s? You said late 90s. Well, I I just think that in those eras, we were very much more willing to kind of be like, oh, I can handle it. And uh-huh. just kind of like dump whatever kind of weird ideas we wanted on kids, which is why I think a lot of us have these bizarre ideas about media, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. But I do want to go back to Zeke the Plumber and what you wanted to bring up about it. Because oh, it, it was like a big choice for you. Don't say that. Oh, it, it, it was just something, like, I think a lot of us, like, who are a similar age as us, there was a show in the early 90s on Nickelodeon about a bunch of campers called Salute Your Shorts. Um, in the first season, there was a campfire tale, like, campfire horror story style episode about um, a monster called Zeke the Plumber who was the custodian for the camp, Camp Onawana, that ended up dying. Um, it goes from there, obviously. You can guess what happens. <laughs> yeah. it, it's a kid's show about camp. It's not that complicated. You can figure it out. But um, It's fantastic. <laughs> it's super fun. I, I loved it. it. It definitely made me get in the mood for Halloween, which is what we're trying to do, honestly. Like... Um, High Tension didn't do that for me. A few of the other movies we watched this week so, didn't necessarily do that for me. I think what we try to emulate during Halloween that may not translate in all types of horror movies is we like feeling the communal type of spooky in the sense that like, ooh, look, we all have these like shared stories to tell and like, isn't life weird? But we're not trying to be like, hey! everything is out to kill you because like i'm not really trying to like focus on that because like i already know like natural nature is brutal as fuck and like i don't need to focus on that i think we're much more trying to focus on the angles that are like uh i don't know the other honestly the other stuff that we were watching honestly i can see the next one on your list 
is one of the most fun movies we're going to watch of the entire group. Tell me, tell me, tell me. I love fucking Ghoulies. Ghoulies. I love Ghoulies. It's the best movie around, dog. Ghoulies is hella good. You have satanic cultists. You have weird clowns with green pus coming out of their eyes. You got a guy named Dick making sexist jokes about his name being Dick. You got nerds. You got... You got everything. You You got got a Halloween party. You got all the you got all the Halloween fixins. I love Ghoulies so much. So I, 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 I ask you no. Hey hey hey! I'm gonna ask you a question, dog. You ask me a question. This is the first time you've ever really seen Ghoulies. Uh huh. What's your opinion? Like, what? How do you feel about it? Um, I really liked that it used. That it could be kind of campy, but it also used a lot of, like, really gross effects, but also um, very vivid, like, well-reasoned concepts in horror that were presented in, like, I don't know. It was, like, still funny, but it was still gross as hell. Yeah, Does right. Does that make sense? I Ghoulies is one of the, like, workhorses of horror, I feel like. Yes. It doesn't get any credit. It's solid as fuck. Can I say it reminds me a little bit of Reanimator? Please, yeah. that's. I think Reanimator would be honored to be. With Ghoulies, what kind of horror fan would you recommend it to? Oh, man. I, just a really classic horror. It, it's a pretty all-around solid horror movie it yeah. has creatures it has cults it has spooky it's mansion it has sometimes. ghosts like, it's fun i th- i think it's probably the most solid movie we watched this week like yeah. to be honest with you what this is probably my favorite one of the week i wouldn't honestly i i absolutely loved it i it was one of those ones I remember which one it was that I'm likening it to, but it definitely felt oh, Monster Squad in the sense yeah. that it kind of like reminded me a lot that it was like a little bit campy, but it was still a really solid movie in general, and it mm-hmm. was good storytelling. I think for me, no matter what the effects are, or no matter what the budget is, or what like level of horror movie it's supposed to be, what matters to me is the storytelling. And Ghoulies had like funny, ironic, just good storytelling so i really liked it yeah I mean, that also reminds me i don't mean to move on too fast if you don't no, want to not but at like all. in exactly what you're talking about like probably the, i think the last movie we watched this week was house yeah and, like, i loved just, house right it's so much fun and again yeah. i found out about that movie again from forever midnight podcast yeah they are big fans of that movie um i really really liked that movie it was hilarious there's just something really like endearing about that movie it's such a fucking like romp <laughs> but like it has that quality of a lot of that movie like kind of a dreamlike quality to where like brain damage has to where yeah. like a lot of what you've been talking about to where like oh it exists in its own universe and like he's opening up medicine cabinets and it just goes into this huge abyss and... yeah i think that was a really Brain damage is a really great comparison because I know exactly what you mean. Where you're never really quite sure if the per the person that the protagonist that you're following is actually experiencing these things, or whether they're like dreamlike states, or whether they're just hypotheticals, or whatever it might be. Because honestly, in horror, 
It could be fucking any of those. It could just be yeah. a hallucination. You never know. Well, it's like the world is functioning on normal logic, but the protagonist is functioning in dream logic. Yes. And that really happens, strange. That happens an absolute lot. Well, I also wonder, too, a lot about that with, like, Candyman, too, because Candyman... Oh, my God. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. such a great connection. Yeah, because Candyman, there were so many moments I literally... I actually said that to you, or I would turn to you and be like, is this actually happening to her, or is she hallucinating this? And honestly, to this day, I still don't know what of that movie that I watched that actually happened to the character, and what was there, what was placed as a hallucination there for her to make worse decisions to, like, kind of trap her in what the Candyman yeah. wanted for her, if that makes sense. So, I've never like, seen Candyman before, I'm not right? kind of, like, completely whitlash topics because I know that we were just talking about House, and I loved House. I thought it was a... So House and Candyman are completely new to me this year. They're both brand new movies to me. Um, House was... I absolutely loved it in the same way that I loved... Um, creep show in the sense that it felt very like oh, i don't want to call it wholesome but it was almost wholesome yeah i i totally get and you. i either can't be there was a lot of like really creepy shit going on but i also just like liked it because it was campy and i could um rely on it to be low stakes enough that i would be like um i would be visually invested but i wouldn't have to be emotionally stressed out about it okay if that makes sense um Candyman, on the other hand, oh my god. I feel like that was one of our, like, stressful movies that caused us to That might be one of my, like, big fucking horror movies this season. Because Candyman was out of fucking control. (laughs) And, like, I know it's it's getting a lot of attention right now. Pretty much everyone I know has watched it this year, has... I feel, yeah, it's really getting the attention it deserves. Uh-huh. It's honestly, whoa. <laughs> I mean, like, I had, there, someone in the, somewhere in the recesses of my brain, like, I, I've seen Candyman before, but to be honest with you, when I put it on this year. I've never seen that movie before. When I put it on, it was a, basically new to me. I'm pretty sure I think in my head, Candyman 3 was I think I saw Candyman three at a certain point in high school, and I've made that Candyman in my head, and it's not as good because this movie <laughs> fucking ruled. And like I and like I, there was a familiarity familiarity there. Like I'd seen it. Yeah. You know. No, I totally know what you mean. But I think back to that that whole dream logic of Candyman. Yeah. I I love that. That's one of my favorite kind of motifs, I guess, for a horror movie of like climbing into the unknown like um, literally in these two movies at least like through these like um what the medicine cabinets in both of them and yeah yeah, which is so cool i never even would have like made that connection if you hadn't i like that that idea a lot (laughs) um what's next on the list halloween 1978 oh it's so good the very prime of jamie lee curtis I don't understand why women don't want to be compared to her. I think Jimmy Lee Curtis is pretty foxy in this You movie. completely came out of no you came out of left field with that comment. She is absolutely adorable yeah. in this movie. Yeah, I get that. But I've already gone into extensive conversation with you about this. 
I was not introduced to her until much, much later in her career. She is fucking, she, listen, she's always absolutely beautiful. She's absolutely gorgeous. But there is something that is very quintessentially Freaky Friday for her. Okay, okay, I see what you're talking about. For fucking ever as a, as like a short haired woman, right? And I think, and I don't mean that because she cut her hair. I mean that because like as an anything that reminds me of what she looked like in Freaky Friday for some reason connects to Freaky Friday. All right. But Laurie Strode, 1978, is a fucking beast unto itself. Oh, she's so cool. She is unbelievably, I don't know, as far as like a heroine goes in a movie and just like a, a protagonist in a movie goes... I absolutely love the strength of her character, but also she she does still have, which I'm sure is what you and I debate all the time, she does still have this like really feminine beauty and strength yeah. at the same time. Lori S is cool as fuck. Lori S. Tell me what you thought drew you to this movie. Okay. What it's so weird because now the Halloween franchise is far and away my favorite slasher like mainstream franchise it was the hardest one for me to get into as a teenager i was way more into like friday the 13th i was really into the nightmare on elm street franchise um there's something really simple about halloween yeah that i think you can miss i think um this is so corny to even bring it up but like like how like punk rock music is very like it almost to prove a point it's kind of torn like brought back to like the simplest thing you can possibly do like absolutely halloween doesn't have one breath that's unnecessary that's it's so true. Every single moment of Halloween is a part of Halloween. There's no down moments. There's no unnecessary moments. To where... It's I all think, essential. I think it deserves... I, I think it is. It's the horror movie. When I think of like, oh, like, if you were going to put one horror movie into the Smithsonian, it wouldn't be Night of the Living Dead. It wouldn't be The Birds. It wouldn't be any of the... It, it would be this in I my head. I can't believe I have never thought to ask you about this. Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise or Halloween franchise? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What? Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite movie. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, like outside of horror movies, are conclu- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is my favorite movie. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is my second favorite movie. 368 days of the year. Okay, absolutely. Halloween might be my favorite horror movie. The like, reason- do you know what I mean? It's it's such a weird comparison. Like, I think the reason that I ask is because you seem to be a huge champion of Laurie Strode, but I do know that Texas Chainsaw Massacre means a lot to you. I feel like I'm a little bit surprised by the answer because... But also that might be my own perspective coming through because maybe I thought that it would be more the heroism of 
how staunch and strong Laurie Strode's character is, but that might just be something that translates for me as a woman, whereas for you, the artistic value of... I like. I don't want to speak for you though. I like hellbillies. It's, it's, it's my favorite. My, it's my favorite aesthetic just, ever. Did you just say hellbillies? Yeah. <gasps> Is that like an established thing? Yeah, dog. Yeah, like I like hellbillies. Wait, have you always been saying hellbillies? I thought. I mean, you were... sometimes, sometimes I say hillbillies. When I mean hellbillies, <gasps> I say hellbillies. I feel like I'm just like a whole new world. <laughs> I just feel like I'm learning so much about you right now. I just think that this movie is already such a key perspective of a lot of your horror movie preferences. I didn't know. I don't think I knew that you. I've like I said, I've never asked before if you had a preference between Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Massacre, and um. Halloween, and I think the reason that that surprises me is because of what we were just talking about with Laurie Strode, is the sense that, like, she's such a strong heroine that I figured that she was kind of like, who is your favorite horror character then? Not movie. Who is your favorite horror character? I'll get to that. Okay. But I think, to get to that question, I really think it's kind of asking, like, oh, do you like pizza or tacos? (laughs) <laughs> like I like fucking okay. both, fucker. Okay. Like you know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like yeah, I, I, I don't I, know. Cheers. Like cheers. Yeah. My favorite horror character. Um. Jesus. Um. That's not funny. No. Oh, I wasn't. <laughs> um. And I don't. I honestly, I don't think this has anything to do with like his recent. Um passing over but like really, captain spaulding probably is my favorite horror character I of all time that, yeah. like i mean it, the time and place i'm 32 i was born in 1987 you know so like sid haig in house of a thousand sid corpses haig was right so like, specifically captain spaulding in... captain spaulding is my favorite dude around all yeah right. Captain Spaulding, Sid Haig, probably specifically from House of a Thousand Corpses. You heard it first here on Weird Vibes. So that was about Halloween 1978. I would ask you, um, what kind of horror fan would you recommend this franchise to? I would recommend any. I would recommend this movie to literally anybody. Okay. I would recommend this movie to... Would you recommend this movie to my mom? Yeah. Okay. I mean... On what I don't know, there, there might be a little bit too much nudity in this movie. Okay, but on what grounds? That's, that's a very extreme case, which is why I asked it, obviously. On what grounds would you recommend it to her? PJ Souls is in it, and everybody should see every PJ Souls movie ever made. All right, you know what? I respect the fuck out of that. No, but no, but for, for real, for real. <laughs> um, I, I think this is, you're, you bring up a good question. I don't know if I would recommend it. To her, I I think that's why horror is a special community. It's not for everybody. Okay. You know, and it's not it's not exclusionary at all. It's not it's oh it's not for you. It's if it's for you, it's for you. Like, come please be a part of it. So I feel like horror is definitely exact. Like I I couldn't have found a better way to describe it. I don't know of a good analogy for it. I don't know if it's for everybody, but I do know that it's waiting for everybody yeah does that make sense everybody's scared of something and everybody wants to feel 
like they can champion that. Everybody wants to feel like they can overcome something. Everybody wants to... Everybody's lost something. You know, I feel like part in horror, a lot of horror is about loss. You know? And, like, not even of other people. Even just, like, you get injured. You get scared. It's loss of confidence. Loss of self. And, like, the whole final girl narrative. I think, like, in a lot of movies we've been watching this week, like, you really think, oh, it's the final person really yeah and like it's that like the confidence to keep going can really conquer evil sometimes i feel like it's the audacity to think that your life is worth fighting for of course like i i found so much confidence in horror i found a lot of freedom in horror you know like it was important for me as like a young man like like oh like in junior I, I grew up very religious i grew up very scared of the supernatural i grew up very scared of myself and like scared of what i might do to do wrong and like really kind of finding something that deals in archetypes i think it's the same reason you and i really like comic books to where you can talk about giant concepts you can talk about concepts so much bigger than you that are really scary to talk about but you can talk about them in archetypes. That's a really easy and approachable way to approach concepts that to approach to approach concepts that may feel intimidating, honestly, yeah, beforehand. I, I totally agree. That's like a really important. Fa- I don't know. I think that's one of the most beautiful things that I feel like you've taught me about horror is that in its ex- in its extremeness as a social statement it says so much because it's willing mm-hmm. to stand it's willing to stand in left field and be like hey if nothing else makes sense for you we're still here for you yeah and i don't think people understand how important that is because i don't i think that especially the reason that i like made that obviously like extreme example of like oh would you recommend it to my mom is that like you know she's a very you know she seeks peace and quiet in her media she seeks things that like make her feel better and i think that that. she doesn't want the specific like mental stress of watching a horror movie but i don't think that the social statement of a horror movie that we derive from it would Mm -hmm. be lost on her i just know that like what i've always respected about horror which i think you might have taught me to like to see in it is that sometimes there's a price to be paid for the amount of insight that you're about to be given definitely does that make sense and i hear everything you're saying Mm -hmm. but i'm also not gonna say that in the right room with the right relatives and the right friends with the right popcorn and the right (laughs) beer and the right (laughs) snacks Mm -hmm. (laughs) that she wouldn't have a fucking blast because that's what horror is about too it's about conquering fear with your friends and again i like watching horror by myself you somewhat like watching horror by yourself i know it's kind of a solitary thing somewhat but i mean going to a theater watching with your friends like taking the piss out of a movie with your friends it's about empowerment it's always been about empowerment absolutely i agree with that that's like a really I, smart idea. I think Halloween, especially like the original Halloween, because it can be taken as an archetype, it can be taken as a myth, it can be taken as this like modern socio-political statement, like all these things 
that you can really examine it. But in examining it, you can also acknowledge, like, we're doing this for fun. Like, we want to scare ourselves for fun. <laughs> yeah. We're specifically doing that thing where we, like, spook each other out as yeah. friends. Trying to make this, like, I don't know. It's almost like a coming-of-age type of, like, moment where you want to know that you, like, have that community and you have that courage. Yeah. That like, sense. like, Michael Myers didn't show up to PJ Souls as a ghost under the sheet with the glasses on to, like, not be funny. That you know what like, I mean? Like, he didn't, always... like, I straight up think <laughs> Bill died for the joke. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The joke was killing Bill, basically. Yeah, the joke was killing Bill. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take a hard whiplash left and ask you about Chillerama. So how much of Chillerama did you see? Um, I would say the last, like, two-thirds. So I have a lot of conflicting views about Chillerama. So Chillerama was obviously one of the ones that Sam watched on his own. It's, um... I believe there was a, had a lot to do with the guy who made Hatchet. You'll forgive. You can look it up later. Like he's a pretty famous horror director. I'm sorry that I don't know his name. I'm gonna have it linked in the original RSS feed. So visit danatravels.com/slash/weirdvibes. So it's a it's a collection of short horror movies. Um, and the kind of the concept of the movie is there's a horror there's a um drive-in theater going out of business <laughs> and they're showing the rarest horror movies they can find it's so good um there's some straight up offensive shit in this movie oh there's some really funny really progressive cool shit in this movie <laughs> it um it tried really hard in some spots it came off very trauma in some spots, in good ways and bad ways. <laughs> um, I've had some of the best and worst moments I've had watching a movie in a, a little while in this movie. <laughs> so, I, I, it took chances. Um, There was... That's one, yeah, that's one way to put it. Um, I really liked, um, I was a teenage werebear. I think that was really yeah. fun. Um... There was a, it was 1950s kind of kid culture, kind of lampooning that. Um, a kid got bit by a werewolf who was gay. He got into the, like, kink BDSM 1950s gay culture. It was, it was pretty fun. <laughs> um, I don't, is there any you really liked, Anna? Or the, the ones that you saw that any stood out to you? I honestly really like the main overarching story of them in the drive-in. I thought that was fun. That yeah. was honestly, and I know that like the main story of like the person who ran it was really cool, but I also really liked, because I'm a sucker for that, the like love interest story. I thought that was cool. And like the overarching story. But I will say that that's one of my favorite formats is like having like kind of an anthology. Oh, anthology setup. horror is where it's at. Right? I feel like horror is the avenue that anthology is best suited mm -hmm. for, if that makes sense. Like, I, I've been talking to a lot of people about it all week, so I would feel remiss if I didn't um, bring it up. The Diary of Anne Frankenstein <laughs> is mm -hmm. far and away the standout. Um, segment of that movie okay um 
Hitler and Ava Braun make a Jewish Frankenstein out of concentration camp bodies. It's in oh, horrifying taste. This is the one I did not watch. Um, I don't stand by this at all, guys, just so you know. He comes to life and murders the shit out of Nazis. It is real cool. I love it. So I guess that part is really redeeming. And that's great. Can I please ask what drew you to Chillerama? You know, it's been I it's been on my list to watch forever. Like we have a shutter subscription. <laughs> They've been pushing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um I've just in just kind of the ether of the horror community, I've heard a lot about it. Um, I think when we were talking about Oh, watching stuff that still counted and it was still fun, but was maybe not quite so serious. That so serious. <laughs> that like really kind of spoke to me because I knew it was a horror comedy. Yeah. 